Hello, photography lovers, and welcome to another episode of your most favorite show. At least that's what I'm hoping for. This is the Fashion Photography Podcast. My name is Virginia, and I'm a fashion and advertising photographer and also the host of this show. I'm super happy to tell you that today is Wednesday. And for those of you that are new to the podcast, you need to know that every Wednesday, I'm here with a guest. And every other Friday, I'm answering your questions and giving you some tips and tricks. So, if you have some questions that you really want to be answered, go to the Fashion Photography Podcast Facebook group and ask your questions there. You can also post your images and share your opinion. And by the way, the most active members of the group get to be featured in our blog section on photographypodcast.net. So, if you want to be one of those people, you know where to find us. The links are also in the show notes. As I promised you the last time, today we'll be talking about posing and directing models. If you haven't heard part one of this podcast, go to photographypodcast.net and listen to part one with my guest. If you have been here last week, let me share with you that we are not only discussing how to pose your model, we're discussing also how to pose a group of models. And of course, we're answering the big question, what to do with the hands of the models. My guest is giving away her secret tricks. She's also giving advices on light and she's explaining her understanding of having a backup on your shoe. In addition to that, she's telling us a horrifying story from a photo shoot by her own experience. But if you're here for the more positive news, she's also telling us how H&M asked her to make a GIF or GIF or whatever you call it campaign for their cosmetics. The idea behind it and what was the hardest part of it. All of these and many more in today's podcast. Do you have some tips on directing? Because the people in our Facebook group, the Fashion Photography Podcast, are really into tips of posing and how they need to direct their models. Yeah. One thing that really helps is knowing what you want in advance. You have the confidence and you have the clarity to direct the model during the shoot itself. So it's good to think about it ahead of time instead of thinking about it as you're shooting. I think also it's important to be confident and to not be scared to tell the model what you want and not be shy. I completely agree with those. And everybody finds really hard part posing of the hands. And in, in your images, the hands are so beautiful, like always. Thank you. <laughs> Do you have any specifics for hands? You know what? I think it helps that I'm a girl too. So a lot of times what I'll show the models what I want them to look like and then they will try and do something similar. But I don't like to show people images as reference. Why? I think once you show them an image, they just subconsciously start copying. <laughs> but, you know, if you direct them on the spot without showing them anything or using yourself as an example, you get something more interesting and more original than copying an image. You're also directing a lot of people sometimes on your photo shoots. Yeah, I love I love doing shoots with like multiple girls. What are the biggest tricks about that? Have you ever felt like you're kind of worried of photo shoots with more than just two people? I think for me, in my case, I like having a lot of people because I have so many ideas about how I want to compose the image when there's more people. Mm-hmm. 
Ironically, when it's just one girl, like sometimes I'm a bit like, sometimes <laughs> I get more stuck because I'm like, I've done everything. Like, what else can I try? But with so many girls, it really gives me the option to do a lot. And sometimes it feels like commander, like I'm just shouting at the girls, like, yeah. you know, stand in one line. Okay, you move forward, you move back, you know. <laughs> it becomes very regimental. I want to go back to this photo shoot with Lily Cole and talk a little bit about backups. Because you mentioned your camera got wet. This is a big deal. And many times people are not thinking about it. And sometimes mm-hmm. people are even going to places where, by the way, even if you're just in the studio, everything can happen to your camera. So it's always nice to have backup. I think my idea of backup is a bit different from like, for instance, you know, always have two cameras on you. Although I think that's a very good practice, but I understand not everyone can afford that. Mm-hmm. If anything, I think my way of trying to make a shoot go as smoothly as possible is to plan everything as much as possible. Like, you know, right down to what time are we going to get the model to change? How long does it take for the model to get there? Caring about things like safety mm-hmm. and scouting the location beforehand and just making sure that there are as little unknown factors as possible. So I think that's how I handle it, which is a bit different from the gear part of it. It's not very different from my style, by the way, which is very interesting to me because usually I also have all the details beforehand and I'm always ready with a backup plan. But I want to be very prepared when I go to a photo shoot. Yeah, just fully support that. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a good practice. At the same time, though, you cannot be completely sure what's going to happen next. So can you tell us and can you recall a story when something went not that wrong, but in a different way than you expected? And what was the end of this story? Oh, I have a really horrifying one that happened, I think, earlier this year. Mm-hmm. I feel a bit like, you know, PTSD. Like, I'm a bit worried about <laughs> repeating this story. So this is one of those situations where I was very, very, very prepared and still something went wrong. Mm-hmm. So we were going to shoot on some rocks in the in the sea. It was going to be a recreation of like Birth of Venus. And it was with a celebrity. I went to the shoot location in advance, like a few days before, scouted the location, like looked at what could possibly go wrong, prepared everything that we needed to make sure that it was safe. And still on the day of the shoot, the model fell oh. and she scratched her leg. And this is despite, we actually brought thick fabric for the model to stand on so that she had more grip. And also that she won't hurt her legs on the rocks. Mm-hmm. We had an assistant nearby ready to catch her in case anything happened. We really thought about it and still she slipped. I think she was trying to tiptoe or something to get a better shot and then she slipped. Mm-hmm. And immediately I called the ambulance and I went with her to the hospital. And even though it was a magazine shoot, I paid for all the fees of the ambulance and the hospital. And just being there to assure her that I would be responsible and that I would pay for whatever came up. There's nothing more you can do beyond that sometimes. Yeah, but at the same time, you are acting as a human being. I think that's very important. Mm-hmm. Because it's so easy Thank on you. a shoot. Oh, you're more than welcome. It's so easy on a shoot when people are just like, well, that's work. You need to keep up with it. But that's not the reality. I mean, at the end of the day, we all need to go back home and be safe and be happy with what we've done. So I really appreciate what you've done there, though I haven't been there, but 
I think it's amazing. Thank you. Appreciate that. Such a horrifying nightmare experience. Sounds like that. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. I think it's important to share stories like this because sometimes when something happens to you on a shoot and you're like, oh my God, probably I'm bad photographer. Probably I'm bad person. Probably everything is bad. And some people are not even assuming that someone else could have been in the same situation. Do you want to take us through your website? Sure. So my website for everyone listening, it's my name, Len, L-E-N-N-E, dot photography. And that's it. Dot photography is the domain name. So pretty cool. And you can find it also in the show notes, guys. So we have beauty category there. And you also mentioned that you have done some moving images and sort of advertising for other beauty brands. Do you have any tips for the beauty part? Because it's so different when you need to cover so much in just a face. And it's a lot of work for the makeup artist. Um, actually, something interesting about me is that I don't like shooting too much makeup on. I know that from your social yeah. media. <laughs> Yeah, I know, right? So funny. That that shoot had no no makeup whatsoever. No, I think it's actually easier to retouch skin if there's not too much on it. So that's one reason why I feel that way. I mean, I, I love working with makeup artists and I love the ideas that they bring to the table. And I do like shooting heavy makeup too. But regardless, for things like foundation or if like the girl has any flaws on her skin, for me, it's actually better not to cover it up and to just Photoshop it away later on. Mm -hmm. than to kick it on with makeup so there's too much texture and it's hard to retouch away. Do you usually do your own retouch? 99% of my shoots are retouched by me. What's the percentage when you used an actual makeup artist? Okay, so first of all, maybe, you know, Singapore, because it's a smaller market, there's no real separation between who's a more natural makeup artist and who's more heavy-handed. Mm -hmm. I think it depends on like what you want and showing, telling them what you want and explaining it so that they do it in a way that matches your style. So for me, I'll always tell them like, you know, I prefer a no powder finish. I prefer skin that's more creamy, that's more glowy, that's more moisturized. And I think that's what makes the difference perhaps. Probably. I think mm -hmm. it's very important to give some navigation to your makeup artists and the fellows in your crew overall. Mm-hmm. How much do you talk to your stylist, for example, before a photo shoot? A lot. And I think I drive all of them insane. Like I have like <laughs> so much detail about this is what we're going to shoot. This is what the concept is about. This is what inspired my concept. Here's all the history on this subject. I always encourage them to get creative. Like, you know, don't just do what I'm proposing that we do. Mm -hmm. Come up with an idea that matches the concept. Like if we're going to do something like oversized clothes, then, you know, maybe the makeup can be exaggerated in that same way somehow, but it will keep it balanced so that it doesn't look too intentional. And what about your model? Do you usually approach them before the photo shoot or maybe on the day of the photo shoot? I would love to talk to them more before the shoot, but unfortunately, because most of them are agency girls, mm -hmm. that's not really an option. So I've never really had the chance to really delve deep with a model, which is a pity, and I would love to do that sometime. I always try and show them the very thick concept details that I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Like, I'll try and tell them, like, this is what we're shooting today, this is what it's about, this is what I find interesting about it. What do you think? And then we start from there. While you're on the topic of the model, 
since we already said how good are you with posing, do you want to say if there is something we should be very careful about posing and maybe even try to avoid? I think it depends on your style of photography. But in my case, I'm not a fan of when a model is too posy. Mm-hmm. So even though they're doing crazy things, I try and bring about that movement in a natural way, like part of a bigger natural movement. And what about the process of shooting when you're shooting several models? Do we need any sort of different approach or just explain it to each and every one of the models or maybe gather them together? When it comes to a big girl shoot, to be more um, fluid with the process, like you have to be a lot more clear and communicative than if it's just one-on-one and the girl is like feeling it. It's like being a conductor, right? Like you have to tell them exactly what you want and when. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit more controlled. Yeah, that's a great advice. And I was wondering, since you're so ready beforehand with the photo shoot, how long does a photo shoot usually take to typically? I think I'm really fast. I've done entire shoots in like three hours or like four hours. Like eight to ten images. Yeah, or like more images than that. Like I think we've done it before. Like you said, you know, like we really plan everything like ahead of time. So it's just a matter of doing it. Yeah. Do you usually do just the look that you want or you're also willing to try something else? Like, for example, if you have the pose beforehand, you know what you want for the specific look of the model, you're ready with it all. What do you do if you're having this shot for the first three minutes, let's say? Do you give your model some time to try something new? I always try what I have in mind first because it's also easier for the model to have the directions first. And then when we get the shot, it'll be like, is there anything you want to try? Or like, you know, maybe I have some new idea. And then we try it on the spot. But I think having a planned idea of why I want to shoot actually is a nice warm-up for everyone. (laughs) True. You don't always shoot models, though. Sometimes you shoot stills. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's true. Are you the one person coming up with the ideas behind them, too? Yeah, I think a lot of times I'm the one directing the shoot or coming up with the concept. But particularly for my product photos, like my still life, this stylist duo that I like to work with called Fake Candid, and we kind of share the same aesthetic. So when it's with them, we all come up with ideas and then we, it's kind of like a mashup. Oh, you exchange ideas. That's so nice. You recently had a campaign for H&M. Yes. It's a very exciting one. Do you want to take us through this story? I was very, very lucky to be asked by H&M Singapore to shoot their beauty products that were launching in Singapore as a still life shoot. Did they approach you personally? Yeah. So in Singapore, I'm not represented by any agency. So they came to me directly and they said they wanted to do some stills and some GIFs uh, promoting the new makeup products. So for this campaign, it's called uh, Fake Candid because we work on still lives together so well. And they came up with the idea of presenting all the makeup products as food. Oh, nice. Yeah. So if you look at the website on the advertising page, the first image you see on the left, that's pink. That's actually like inspired by, by oysters. Oh, perfect. Do you want to describe the photo? It's two compact powders opening and closing. And there's some pearls in the image. And there's also a pearl sitting inside the compact powder. So that was inspired by oysters and also just that motion of opening and closing, like clams, I suppose. The same shoot on the image on the right. So that's using their face mask, but kind of like as a waffle sauce or a pancake sauce, you know, that kind of breakfast imagery. Yes, they're so sweet. (laughs) Thank you. 
And at the bottom, there's the lipstick which, with the milk, and then yeah, one more of the of the cute pancake drizzle that's actually a face mask. You also have a photo shoot where you're drawing faces. Yeah, using products. Of, yeah, so this was also in collaboration with Fake Candid. Like I think when we work together, we really do the pastel aesthetic very well together. So this one, the ad agency came up with the idea and came to me saying. You know, we want to do a shoot where every single item that's used in the photo is an item from the shopping mall that the advertisement is for. Obviously, the idea was very cool. So uh, me and Fit Candid, we actually went down to the mall together and we handpicked each of these items to try and figure out what could make a face. You're so involved with your photo shoots. I am. I am so involved. I find it very exciting. That's so cool. Thank you. Do you always do that? Yeah, I am so hands-on. It's like my babies, you know. I, I don't think I could let go. <laughs> oh, that sounds awesome! Was the photo shoot with the faces coming before or after the photo shoot for H and M? I think faces was after H and M. I think H and M came first. Do you think that the fact that people saw that you were doing something like that got them interested in working with you for other stills? Because for sure, doing photo shoots with actual people and doing stills, I find it very different, but also mm -hmm. very interesting. There are definitely some very interesting similarities, but they're also, I don't know, they're different. I think the key thing here is really like lighting. And so, like I mentioned way earlier, way, way, way early in this interview, like when I first got my own studio and I had the chance to get the hang of lighting using strobe. That's really what helps so much with all these product shoots. Do you have any advices on that? Yeah, I mean, you just gotta practice. I think when it comes to lighting, there's really not much you can do except to practice and try and be able to see light. What would you recommend us to do differently in when we are shooting stills that we are not or doing uh, when we're shooting actual people? For me, it's really the same because I care so much about lighting. But I've I've heard from a lot of people that not every photographer. Shoots what they want in the camera. Like a lot of them rely on a lot of retouching to bring it to what they need later on. Mm -hmm. Whereas in my case, because of my focus, I guess on getting the lighting right in the shot, a lot of my images actually look very, very similar to the final image. Mm -hmm. Like there's not really much retouching in that sense. I try and get everything right as it is. Oh, I love that. Thank you. As you mentioned, you have a lot of gifts or gifs or. Whatever people are calling this, <laughs> uh -huh. I find them very fascinating, even by my own experience, and I'm really into it. So, can we talk about this a little bit? What do you find difficult about them? What do you find exciting? Gifs are fun and cute to make, but I think sometimes getting the motion right can be a bit of a pain. It's like doing stop motion, right? Yeah. Getting them to move is always a challenge. Like, how do you string them up, or how do you? Get them to stay in that spot while you take the photo. Do you have tips on that? Not really. I think different for every object. Having an extra pairs of hands will help a lot. I think that's a good advice. And have you ever tried doing those type of images with people? I don't think so. Oh, you should. <laughs> I have thought about it. I've thought about it a lot, but I never really had the chance. Like every time I shoot someone in motion, thinking of turning it into a GIF. It just becomes a full-blown video. <laughs> so 
at all. We talked about light and video and moving images. And I was wondering, do you find the light for videos very different from the light for photo shoots? I think it's the same. I mean, yeah, you know, the way they flash or the way they are set up, all the equipment is very different. But if you can see, if you understand light, if you if you know what you want, if you can see what you're trying to do, then it's not that difficult. I wanted to ask you also, do you do projects for yourself? I do. Actually, I think most of the shoots that you see on my Instagram are completely like self-initiated projects. Oh, it's good that you mentioned Instagram. Do you want to share yours? Sure. I am at Lene, which is L-E-N-N-E-I-G-H on Instagram. Again, in the show notes. <laughs> yes, thank you. So I think most of the shoots that you see, especially the ones with like very heavy Singaporean themes or Singaporean elements, they are shoots that I do on my own. They're completely self-initiated. Even if you see some brand tied to them, it's not commissioned by them. It's more like maybe I went to them and was like, hey, you know, I have this idea. Do you want to support the shoot? And then I thank them. So it's a bit different. I was wondering what's the most interesting location you have ever had a photo shoot at? So I went to this place called Shangri-La, which is in China. Mm -hmm. We went there for four days and this was for a music video shoot. So it's on the motion um, part of my website. It's called Sticky Leaves. It's performed by a musician called Linning. So that was crazy because like, I went without a crew. It was just me and my friend who assisted me the musician and a hair and makeup artist. And it was four of us on a snow mountain. Snow mountain. Oh my it God. It was a snow mountain. It was so crazy. And, you know, we're Singaporean kids. Like we're from the equator. We do not know how to deal with snow at all. And <laughs> that shoot was, was super interesting. Like the places we saw and unlike anything else I've seen, I think. Did you brought any equipment with you? Actually, um, you'll be surprised, but I don't use a lot of equipment. I think I only own like maybe three lenses and I just need a tripod and a camera and I'm done. What about the light? So when I shoot outdoors, I don't usually use lighting. Maybe I'll bring like a reflector here and there. Oh, so maybe you're a real expert on shooting on sunlight. Do you have tips for that too? Because you're probably very aware of the movement of the sun. Once again, that comes from being comfortable with light and understanding light. I feel like once you understand light, you can apply that to anything, anywhere. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really the key thing here, knowing your lighting. Of course, it took me a very long time to get to that point, And I think I'm still learning as well. So because of that, I don't really feel the need for light outdoors. I can pretty much get what I want just by cutting some light here or like adding some reflection there. So this video was the same. We just had one tripod, my camera, my lenses, and I think a drone that I flew as well. Mm -hmm. And that's all. So we don't actually need a lot and we can work on budget and have some amazing photo shoots. Yeah. Let's say if you're, you're someone who's looking into getting studio lights, I would recommend just getting one light, using it to the best of your ability as creatively as you can. And then before moving on to using other lights, because if you start with like three lights, for instance, or like four lights, you might not be able to see what you're doing. Because the light just washes everything out and there's just a lot of light coming from everywhere. So it's not that useful, I think, when it comes to learning to have too many resources. Yeah, I think it's always nice when you're starting working with artificial light. It's always a good idea to actually start with just one. See what yeah. it's doing, 
and then continue and add if you want to. But yeah. first off, you need to know what this one light is doing. Exactly. That's awesome. Great advices so far. Do you have any final thoughts that you would like to share with the listeners? I think that doing personal work is very, very important. I think people don't realize that enough. A lot of us dream of having magazines or clients come to us and tell us, hey, you know, we want you to do this or do that. But I think a lot of times people book photographers based on something that they want, that they see is already in your portfolio. So I think that's why it's so important to be shooting what you want to shoot so that you can get the kind of jobs that you dream of doing. And it's also very important to share it and show it to the world. Exactly. I mean, nowadays, Instagram has become such a big force in the world of commercial and fashion photography. True. It's crazy. It's so crazy. But it's also inevitable. Like Marketing is also so important now. Is Instagram the main social media that you're using? Yeah, it's actually the only social media I'm on, I think. I closed down everything else because it was just getting too much to handle. <laughs> so it's just my website and my Instagram. Yeah, it's sort of frustrating when you have more than just one. Yeah, and like, what if someone finds the one that you don't update? <laughs> True. And do you have any requests from clients, let's say, on Instagram? Yeah, I do get DMs from potential clients. I also have clients telling me, I want you to do whatever this is that's on your Instagram. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that happens a lot. Do you ever do that? Or you may be changing a little the project that you're doing for clients? I think the fact that I'm now shooting GIFs and more like social media content is really a big sign of how everything is changing. Mm -hmm. But I think for me, that's the biggest difference. Well, yeah, social media is absolutely a big difference, especially nowadays when everything is so fast and mm -hmm. so different. So we need to be very creative, definitely. <laughs> so guys, if you want to follow her, you know where, just follow the links in the show notes. I want to say big thank you for this very different and very interesting conversation. It was my honor. Thank you so much for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Thank you. It's a wrap. <laughs> That's all I have to say. I truly enjoyed this podcast. I hope you did the same. And if you did, please leave us an honest review on Apple Podcasts. This is really going to help us not just to reach more people, but also to bring other amazing guests here at the show. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode. And don't forget that this Sunday, we're doing live portfolio review. It's completely free. All you have to do is to join our Facebook group, the Fashion Photography Podcast, and take a look at the guidelines. So if you want me to give you some constructive criticism on your photography or your social media, just go to the group and take a look at the guidelines of participation. I cannot wait to see you live on Sunday. So make sure to show up for the portfolio review.